0: Your inside pass to everything Saints football. will take you to the places most fans never go to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, I keep the ball. turn, Picks and touchdown is over. of the 2022 season, it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Welcome in to another episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports producer, and we are getting ready for a week two matchup with the Bucs. We got the first injury report today. And unfortunately for the Saints, it is extensive. The good news only one player mispracticed. The bad news: there are eleven names on this injury report, and and we're going to get right into it. I'm I'm solo today, by the way. Steve is uh, dealing with COVID; he will not be here. Hopefully, he can get better and has negative. And you know, we probably you know there's going to be a point where we're able to get Steve back on the podcast because he's going to be stuck at home. Uh, but he's as he's trying to figure out when he can go back into the world. But Send Steve your well wishes. Um, you're going to be stuck with me on the sideline on Sunday for my first time. I have never watched an NFL game from field level, and uh, I'm 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 looking forward to it. It's going to be a real interesting experience. Um, I think it's going to be a little overwhelming. So if you're listening to that broadcast and you're like, "Who is this idiot?" that would be me. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But first things first. Let's let's get into this injury report and. It's a long one. It's a long one. Basically, anyone you can think of, especially on the you know, the offensive side of the ball, is dealing with an injury. So just to go through this list for the people who can't see it, you have Cam, Cam Jordan is dealing with a hip injury. Alvin Kamara, which we knew about dealing with a rib injury. Marcus May, an ankle injury. Tway, uh, Traquan Smith, a shoulder injury. Dwayne Washington, hamstring. Jameis Winston is a back injury. So we went into the injury tent. We weren't sure what exactly was bugging him but it was a back injury that he was nursing, but it didn't seem too significant. He said earlier in the week that he was he was feeling a little hobbled, but um, we got good reports on that today, so it looks good. Uh, Landon Young still dealing with that hip injury. He was one of the players that missed the week last week, missed a game last week. Mark Ingram has an ankle injury. Calvin Throckmorton has an illness. Alante Taylor is, still has that hip injury we knew about but all of those players participated in a limited capacity today. They got outside for practice and you know so that's a good thing. Um Paulson Adebo however again missed practice and you have to really start worrying about him missing another week with that ankle injury. We did see him in the locker room. You know, he's not he's not hiding from us. You know, I think he's just they're just trying to make sure he is 100% so you do not have, you know, a recurrence of the Issues you saw with Michael Thomas, where he tried to play through an ankle injury and it doub- they doubled down on it, it, got worse, and you just never had him right the rest of the way. And I think that's a big part of this. Um, just before I forget, the second half, the second segment of this show is going to be a kind of live mailbag. So I'm going to try to run through all of this first. I have a lot of audio I want to hit, and yes, I am running out of things to say. We did a pod yesterday, we're doing a pod today. So any help y'all can give me in terms of stuff to talk about, I'm more than happy to take your take your lead. But Anyway, okay, so there are a couple things to note here. One, Alvin Kamara with a rib injury. The fact that he practiced today is a really good sign. If you're worried about him missing next week or missing week two, not getting out there today would be a negative. So it's good to see him out there today. Jameis also. Dwayne Washington returned to practice. He had not been at practice last week, so that's a good sign for his potential availability. Traquan Smith, who we haven't seen since that. We hadn't seen Dwayne since the first joint practice with the Packers. We had not seen Trey since he took that kind of hard fall in the preseason finale against the Chargers and was dealing with a shoulder injury. So he was back on the field today in a red non-contact jersey, which I would argue he should be wearing all the time based on his injury history. But he's back on the field today, so there's a chance we see him out there on Sunday and, you know, just, just more depth at the wide receiver position. But the good news is you don't see a lot of wide receivers on this list. And the most important news and the most um, impactful dues, I would argue. Mike Thomas, not on this list. I was expecting to see him back here again in, because he was working out in a limited capacity. Not there. And to me, that's an indicator that the training wheels have come off. And I asked Dennis Allen about this on the conference call today before this came out. And uh, here's, what he, here's what he had to say. As, as it pertains to Mike Thomas, you know, as with that first game under his belt and, you know, coming out of it clean, no injuries, um, you know, how does that kind of propel him forward? Is it is it more are you more comfortable with his availability now that he's gone through a game? Uh yeah, yeah, look, he, he um I think he got about thirty five uh snaps in the game last week. So um, you know, we're gonna keep keep working to uh see where he's at physically, keep trying to incorporate him into our offense. He's he's obviously a critical piece to what we do offensively and so um, you know, we're we're gonna keep trying to work to Out there where it can where it can help us. To me, this is a sign that, you know, we saw the training wheels on Mike Thomas all offseason, all training camp. They were trying to just make sure that they could get him to the regular season healthy so that when you are actually on the field and you are trying to make this work with Mike Thomas, you do not have any questions about his ankle and about the long-term stability of that ankle and about a recurrence of that injury. And I think he was on a bit of a snap count. It wasn't a wasn't a significant snap count because he did get a good number of snaps and he made it all the way through the game. You know, he was in there for the fourth quarter with no limitations, but I do think they were, they were trying to just be cognizant of how much work they were getting him. And, you know, I think that what we're going to see the next few weeks is, you know, he was able to get through that game fine. And you're going to start to see those training wheels come off completely. And you're just going to see how good, how effective can Mike Thomas be with a full allotment of snaps? And, you know, that's a good thing. That is what you needed early in the season to feel confident. And I, again, you look at all of these names on this list, right? A lot of these are not major injuries, right? These are all just kind of dings, you know, Cam Jordan, it's rare to see him on an injury report at all. Right. So like, these are just, these are just guys who they didn't want to get a, give a full session today. And if you have someone limited in practice, you have to put them in the injury report for whatever is limiting them. So a lot of these guys, it's just like, okay, first game of the season, we're going to, take it easy on you in the first couple of days of practice so that you can get right that first game soreness, as James called it. And so, yeah, I think if there was one injury on here, or there's two injuries on here that I think you really want to pay close attention to Paulson and Debo, notwithstanding, because we already know that. Well, the first one is Alvin Kamara, because anytime you have a rib thing, especially at a position where you take a lot of hits, that's a good, that's a big question. Right. So we want to see how he progresses through practice this week. He wasn't in a non-contact Jersey. So that's a good sign, right? If, if the rib, if it was a cracked rib, you know, or if it was, you know, a significant issue with that rib, which I'm sure he got x-rayed, you would have him in a non-contact Jersey. So it's most likely he's just dealing with a kind of a bruise. He took a hard hit and you might up the pads on him uh, this week and going forward, but that's a good sign. And I think that Alvin is not a guy who's going to miss a game, unless, you know, his rib is falling out of his body. Jameis's injury is a little more concerning to me just because of the part of the body that is injured, which is your back. And if your back is kind of jacked up, anyone who's had a back injury, I've had back problems, right? There are times where your back is just not right and you can't do anything you want to do. And so that's the concern you might have where, As you're going through the week of practice, that back just gets further and further away from where it needs to be, and then you get to the game and you're not able to perform. Um, I think that so he's going to take care of that, and that but that's going to be something to watch. And uh, here's what he had to say about that injury um, after practice today. First game soreness, but uh, you know it always feels good coming off with a win. There's nothing like concerning though, like physically after that. Like an entire game's work, basically. Oh no, you just you sore, but you're back to work and uh now's the only time to play. To me, that's that's natural. Um dealing with the injuries right there. But it's still a point where you wanna be careful and make sure that he is ready to go. Because it's a long season, right? If you're dealing with a back thing now, you gotta make sure you take care of it and you and you have it right. So that's the one I'm looking at the most, the closest. Um I do think. Mark Ingram is a guy to watch as someone who could potentially miss week 2. You're talking about a veteran, you're talking about a guy who did not play well in the opener and you signed Latavius Murray. Right? You signed Latavius Murray who, I think it's worth noting, is very familiar with Dennis Allen as a head coach. It's a weird thing to say because for the entire time Latavius Murray was on this roster, you know, Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator. But if you go back to 2013, Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders. And he's the guy who decided to draft Latavius Murray out of central Florida. I think it was a third round pick. This is what Latavius had to say about kind of the playbook, which, you know, he's walking into a team that he has not been with throughout the off season, But the Saints said that they had their eyes on him the entire off season. They were considering bringing him back. And one of the reasons you bring a guy back like Latavius Murray is he knows the system in and out. He was there. For two full seasons and the offseason last year. It's the same system. And uh, here's what he had to say. Um, most definitely. I, uh, I was just clowning with uh, Rod, and I would honestly say I kind of remember more in this system than than maybe in Baltimore. Um, you know, I was in it for two years plus. Um, and, I, you know, I went through the season, went through Baltimore, but I did all of OTA's training camp here. So, um, a lot of familiar, you know, familiarity with the playbook. And so you you have a guy who, if you needed to, right, even though he just walked in the room, you already know that he's going to be able to just go out there and know his assignments, right? Know what he has to be doing. And so, you know, to me, that's an indicator that I think you're you're feeling comfortable with Alvin, but you might not be feeling comfortable with Mark. And when you're a running back and you're dealing with an ankle injury, that's tough. So I would not be surprised if you see Mark inactive this week. That's That's all that is to say, I think what you might end up seeing on game day is Latavius Murray being a practice squad elevation and Mark Ingram being inactive uh, due to the ankle injury. So keep an eye on that. But, you know, for all the stuff the Saints are dealing with, and I think this injury report will be a lot smaller as we go through, take a look at what the Bucs are dealing with. Because to me, this is a lot more concerning. You have essentially your entire starting offense on this injury report. So just to go down the list of the guys who did not practice Tom Brady, it was a rest day. It was not injury related. Russell Gage has a hamstring injury. He didn't practice. Chris Godwin has a hamstring injury. He didn't practice. Julio Jones has a knee issue. He didn't practice a guy named Zion McCollum, which is, I find hilarious considering this is a city where the basketball team has a guy named Zion and a guy named McCollum. Tampa has it all in one name. Zion McCollum cornerback didn't practice with a hamstring injury. Donovan Smith, the tackle, didn't practice with an elbow issue. And also, guys who were limited, Mike Evans, the wide receiver with a calf injury, Leonard Fournette, starting running back with a hamstring injury, Rashad Perriman, wide receiver, has a knee injury, left tackle Tristan Wirfs is dealing with an abdominal injury, right? (laughs) So the Bucs are in way worse condition from a health perspective than the Saints are. So these will be things to watch throughout the week. I think we'll end up seeing a majority of these players other than Chris Godwin. It does not sound like Chris Godwin will be available to go. And that's a good thing for the Saints because he's a guy who is almost impossible to match up with in the slot. And, you know, CJ, who was probably the top slot corner in the league, or at least he would have told you that, couldn't handle Chris Godwin in the slot. He was a very good slot corner. Chris Godwin ate his lunch in the slot. I don't know why I say ate his lunch all the all the time. It's just one of my favorite phrases, but he beat him up in the slot, to say the least. And Chris Godwin hurt his knee, blew out his knee in that game against the Saints. I think that second game, that that nine-nothing game, and not having to face him is a good thing. But you still have to deal with Julio Jones, you still have to deal with Mike Evans, you still have to deal with Linda Fournette, and you still have to deal with Tom Brady. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count the chickens too early. And, but this is a game where if you're the Saints and you can find a way to start this season 2-0, knowing what you have coming, that will be huge. So keep an eye on the injury report. Keep an eye on Alvin Kamara, Jameis Winston, and Mark Ingram. Hopefully, Paulson Adebo can get out there and maybe get some limited reps so you feel a little more comfortable with at least bringing him back and maybe having him active on game day. But we're probably going to end up seeing another week of Bradley Rope. So keep all that in mind that's where I'll cut off that segment on the injury report. We're going to come back with a live listener mailbag here on the inside black and gold podcast. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL digital sports producer. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating, give us a review wherever you get your podcast. Tell us what you think and stick around for the live mailbag. Sorry, right, y'all. I'll be back in a second. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm your host, Jeff Nowak, WWL, digital sports producer. Steve Geller is on the inactive list for today with an illness. So hopefully we can get him back soon. But for now, we're going to have to make do with just me. And so I'm going to seek some help from everyone watching on YouTube. Make sure to give me those questions so we can do a live mailbag segment and fill out the rest of this podcast with compelling information. But one thing that I was able to get from Jameis Winston today, I wanted to talk to him about the protection issues that the Saints had in week one, because to me, that is the biggest thing that as you go forward in the season, you need to sort out. You're not going to beat many teams protecting the way you did or the lack of protection that you had because you did not block anybody. And so here's what he had to say. As it pertains to the protection, you know, as you were able to go over the film and kind of ID you know, some of the free rushes that got through. How much of that is, you know, just checks identifying, you know, where that rush is coming from, and how much of it is, is the scheme that you're doing? Uh, yeah, it, it's some of the scheme and some, and most of it is just on me, uh, getting the ball out in terms of timing, uh, getting the protection to the right to the right guy. Uh, but as 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 the year goes on, we are gonna continue to get better and better at that, um, especially with the communication from me, Eric, and the running backs. Yeah, and that's what I expected him to say. Um, Jameis is not a guy who's going to throw people under the bus, you know. And that's what I think your t- his teammates love about him, right? He's a guy who will always take the blame and will always give credit to other people when they when when it's when it's due, right? And part of it is that. Part of it is I'm the quarterback. The buck stops with me. When we have issues on the offense, it's going to be. Me, that takes the blame for that. Some of it was offensive linemen losing one-on-one matchups. And you saw Caesar Ruiz get beat several times, but a good portion of it and stuff that stood out to me on the rewatch was it wasn't always just the offensive line getting overmatched. In a lot of instances, they were out of position. The protection was not set the way it needed to be. On more than one occasion, it was the running backs blowing the protection. There was one rep in the second quarter that Alvin and James both went outside to block the outside rusher. And you just had a guy with a free run at Jameis Winston. And, you know, I saw the same kind of protection scheme later in the game where you had Mark filling in that lane. So I think it was Alvin who got the check wrong, which is something you don't expect to hear. Right. And. Later in the game, it was Mark blowing a blitz pickup and that was on the play that he fumbled. And so these are, these are issues that whether it's on the communication between James and Alvin or James and Mark, whether it's on the running backs doing their job correctly, whether it's understanding what the, de- the defense is trying to do, right? There was one play in the, in the second quarter that, you know, you had the protection set the way you wanted it to be. They were showing pressure on both ends and both those guys dropped out, but you had set the protection so that your, your tackles would kick out and pick up the outside rushers. But those guys didn't come and you sent two guys in the a gap or the Falcons sent two guys in the a gap and they just came through untouched. And Alvin tried to block both of them. Jameis had to just dump the ball into the turf. And so these are the issues that it's beyond just whether your offensive line is good enough you can't have them set up to fail because the fact is your offensive line is not good enough to make up for that and so that's what Jameis understands and is going to make sure that he corrects um and hopefully he's able to do that this week because the falcons are the falcons you're not going to beat a lot of teams with the offensive line protection and the quarterback protection that you had last week this isn't really a question. But as Justin points out, Pete Werner was in beast mode last game. You know, I Pete Werner had a good game. But when your will linebacker is leading your team in tackles, it means that you are chasing the play a lot. And I think that you're having a hard time stopping the run at the line of scrimmage when that's the case. Because typically you'd want it to be your middle linebacker. Because that means you are handling the action, handling the run action at the line of scrimmage. Um, When Pete Werner is getting in the run action, it means that it has gotten past the line of scrimmage and he is chasing it down. And he did an excellent job of that. And he's a very good tackler. And I expect to see him continue to rack up tackles, but I want to see the saints handle the run better than they did in week one. I think you will. I think a big part of the issue was the way the the Falcons attack you in the run game you're really slow. You have to sit back and you can't just pin your ears back and go after the back, go after the quarterback. In this case, I think you will be able to, but that's only because Tom Brady is a pocket passer and you're not worried about him breaking contain. You're going to end up seeing guys down the road who are going to do the same things that the Falcons did. And they're going to look at that tape and they're going to emulate it. And so, you know, you got to figure it out. But yeah, I think Pete Warner was very good. I think he, you know, you look at that draft and you see Pete Warner in the second round, Paulson Adebo in the third round, and these are some of the better picks you've seen in a while. Peyton Turner, I still think, has some, something to show, but he hasn't been terrible, and he did have that that kick block uh, to finish off that game. So, you know, I think that draft is shaping up to be a very, very good draft. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping to see more of Pete Warner. Again, another guy who is not on this injury report, and so he's a guy who you all offseason, you were worried about that groin injury that he was nursing, and he got through week one healthy, so that's that's a really good thing. and I expect to see him continue to continue to dominate. Um we talked about this, Paul's and Debo. We did see him in the locker room today, um which you know when you're dealing with a significant injury, typically these guys try to try to stay out of stay out of you know the the line of fire from the media. um but we did see him in there. Hopefully he can get back. you know it's it's never a good sign when you're out this long. but it, as I said last week, if you were worried about him being out, for four or more weeks, he would be on IR because you'd want to bring someone on the roster to help fill those gaps. So I'm hoping hoping to see him back either next week or week four. I would be surprised to see him out there week three. I'm sorry, week two. Rachel Cusimano, CJ GJ, CJ Gardner-Johnson, CD Deuce was always good against Tom Brady. How do you feel about the safety we have now against Tampa? It's a good question. It's a good question. You know, Tom and Tyron... Have a lot of familiarity. If you go back to that Super Bowl, they were in each other's grill. You know, that was the that was the meme before CJ was in Tom's grill, right? So <laughs> I think Tyron knows knows Tom pretty well. And that that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Marcus May is also a guy that knows Tom pretty well because for the first three years of his career, Tom was the guy who was beaten up on the Jets. And he didn't perform that well against them. Um so you kind of balance, okay, they're familiar with, okay, they didn't have much success in New York, but but that wasn't necessarily Marcus's fault, because they didn't have success against anybody. So, I don't know. CJ was good against Tom Brady to a point, right? I think CJ struggled in those matchups when he had to cover Chris Godwin. So, when you're looking at this matchup this week, you have to say, okay, who's going to be in the slot? Justin Evans is a guy who you know, the teammates and coaches have talked glowingly about he has played very well. He played very well in the slot in week one. I think you're going to see a good percentage of him in the slot again in week two. And so he's going to have to cover. It's I think the weak point of your defense in week two is going to be Bradley Roby, or at least that's going to be the area of the defense. They try to attack. Tom Brady tries to attack. And so you're going to have to hold up there. But I feel good about what Justin Evans is going to be able to do um in the slot. And so I I am comfortable with that matchup. I think that the Saints win this game. You know, the if Bradley Roby struggles to cover whoever he's covering. I imagine it'll be Julio Jones. If Julio can eat him alive and you have to you have to roll help over to that side and it opens up room for Leonard and he can kind of pound you in the middle. Um and then the play action is effective and then you know this is a team with weapons. You know that this is a team with Tom Brady, and it's going to be interesting to watch. You have to play him twice this year. So if the defense, the defensive tackles, can continue to make his life hell uh, in the pocket, I think you're going to be fine because that's that's the biggest part of it. If you can make him uncomfortable in the pocket, you can have success. Jerry Jerry G. Pore Jr. Uh, says Saints will give Brady more rest by sacking him on Sunday. Only if they knock him unconscious, which, you know, you never know. It seems like they're going to in a couple of those matchups. Do you, Rachel, again, do you think they will improve this week on offense? Yeah. Yeah, I do. We saw them improve throughout the game in week one. And whether the coaching staff will admit it or not, I think a big issue in week one was that was effectively the preseason. You know, you didn't get these guys reps in the preseason, and it showed. But, you know, you saw... As the game went on, guys got more comfortable. Jameis got his timing down with Mike Thomas and Jarvis and Chris Olave. I think Jameis needs to be more aggressive about getting the ball to Alvin in space where he can make a play. I am very, I get very frustrated when he is a last resort because Alvin Kamara is too good to be a last resort kind of, you know, break classic, break glass in case of emergency receiving threat. Like you need to have him be the top option on more plays. You need to run more screens. You need to get him the ball where he can make play. And so that's where I want to see this team improve. And this is a good team to try that against because this is a team that is going to be very aggressive on the outside and you're going to have space in the middle of the field. Jerry again, will the Saints D rebound and get sacks on Brady? Because last week there were none. Again, you know, RPO teams, like RPO offenses, that is their goal. Their goal is to make the defense work against itself. You know, a team that really likes to rush the passer and get upfield, they can't do it. And so when you see a team, you know, we see this team struggle and not be able to get to the passer, that's part of it. They were also run ragged in that first half. And in the second half, I don't think they had the wind to rush the passer. And they got blocked and the Falcons blocked well. The offensive line played well. Um, But yes, I think that especially in the state of the affairs that this current Bucks offensive line is, right? You, you don't have Ryan Jensen. You don't have a lot of these guys. And yeah, I think this is a get game for the defensive line. I want to see David Onyemata make Tom Brady miserable. Because the way to beat Tom Brady is you collapse the pocket from the interior and force him to move laterally, to get outside. And then you chase him down, right? You can't allow him to step up in the pocket because he will eat you alive. So you need to close that ground and drive the interior offensive line back, so that he can't step up. He has to retreat, and you just make make those throws longer, and you make him attack you down the field and throw into the meat of your defense, into your secondary, which you're going to be sitting in cover two all day, um, and saying, "Okay, Tom, try to beat us over the top," which you know he'll try to do, and he can do it. But if you're if that's his only option, you're in good shape. Jay Black, it seems like Cesar Ruiz gets manhandled a lot. Either he's not strong enough or has no technique. Yeah, Cesar has been struggling, or. I think Caesar struggled in week one. What I saw on the tape, which confused me is you should be aware as an offensive line group, as as an offensive staff that you need to help Caesars way and way too much of the time you saw McCoy come off the ball and immediately shift left and double team a guy on Andrews Pete's side. And then, and so you left, Caesar Ruiz one-on-one against Grady Jarrett, right? You left Caesar Ruiz in the hole trying to block two guys and, you know, Caesar needs to be better. He's a first round pick, but I think that the way you fix a lot of these issues on his side is Eric McCoy helps to that side. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it is that simple in a lot of instances, but then we're going to see, you know, I think then you're going to have people saying, wow, Andrews Pete's going to alive alive uh, on the left side. So you know, you have to pick one or the other. You know, you have five up deep offensive linemen. If they're rushing four, blocking four defensive linemen, so you can double team somewhere. Unless there's, you know, obviously if they send a blitz, you have to pick that up. I think that you just need to adjust your scheme so that Caesar is not left in one-on-one matchups because that is a weak point. The other guy I have concern about is James Hurst on the on the left side because he, I think he holds up well on interior rushes, bull rushes. He doesn't get driven off the off the snap, but he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the lateral mobility to keep up with guys on the speed rushes around the edges. And so that's, there, there's two ways you can deal with that. One is you can set back further and get out in front of these guys, but then you are more susceptible to the inside rushes or two it's on Jameis to understand the depth on his drops and not get in the line of fire. There was multiple times in that game where, you know, the, the left tackle is just trying to round out, this pass rusher's, you know, route to the quarterback. And if you can get him far enough upfield, then the quarterback is safe. He basically got a halo around him and all he has to do is step forward and that guy can't get to him until he releases the ball, right? You're just trying to make that route long enough that Jameis has enough time to go through his progressions. But there was at least two times in that game where, you know, I think the clock in Jameis's head was going tick, 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 tick. And he pulled the ball down, he spun away, turned his back to the receiver. So you then have no chance to complete a pass, right? You're basically just eating the ball. And I think that's where Jameis needs to improve. And you'll see better results if he's able to understand where the left tackle, the depth the left tackle is trying to bring that pass rusher to. So those are some of the things that I think need to improve. Drew Kutcher. If Atlanta hadn't blown the game in the fourth quarter, if they had made one first down, the Saints lose. They 100% should have lost that game against a real team. They will never win playing that way well if we went and said if atlanta hadn't blown the game in the fourth quarter we'd we'd have to say that about a lot of games right either they blow it earlier in the game or they get out to a lead and they blow it in the fourth quarter it seems like but no you're you're, you're absolutely 100 correct they need to be better than they were against atlanta because they will not beat a lot of teams playing that way dennis allen said that verbatim after the game right and he said they need to have a thick skin because this film review is not going to be pretty And no, I think this team fully understands that they played terribly in the first three quarters of that game and they need to get out faster. You know, they need to get out better. Um, I think you did see some positive signs. You saw some things that worked in the second half that you're going to bring back, you know, and you, I think you found something out with the offensive line, your tempo offense worked very well. And so I think you're going to see that more often, you know, you can't run tempo all the time, but I think. Earlier in the game, you're going to go to that, you know, maybe, maybe at the top of the game where you have scripted plays, you go to that. Um, but yeah, no, you, you're, you're hundred percent correct. They need to be better. Do you think Jawan Johnson's ceiling grew after the Atlanta game? And I'm glad you asked this. I was wondering if anyone was going to ask about Jawan Johnson, because that was something that I wanted to ask James about. So I did. And here's what he had to say about, um, about Jawan. What can you say about Jawan in year two? Have you seen kind of a step forward, in in particular, as it relates to being a tight end? You know, I've seen is- a drastic step in Jawan, just in terms of his dominance uh, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I always knew he was an incredible talent at pass catching, as a pass catching tight end. But the way that he has been in those trenches, and making a conscious effort uh, to block and to uh, help us uh, attack the edge and set the edge uh, has been very impressive, and I'm so proud of him. And there you go. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't sure how to segue into that clip, so you gave it to me. So that was Too Fast for Death. That's a, it's a, it's a interesting name for your YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, Jawan Johnson's ceiling 100% has grown, but it, I think it grew during the offseason when he was able to put on some weight and really establish himself as a more effective blocking tight end, because it's difficult to get a kind of move tight end on the field. If you're not able to say, okay, go in line and block. If you are only able to play in the slot, you're essentially just a big wide receiver. And it's difficult to, you know, there's only so many opportunities to get on the field when that's the case. That was the case, you know, with Jared Cook a lot of the time, he just wasn't a good enough blocker, but he was that good in the passing game when he was just a freak athlete that you wanted to get him on the field Jimmy Graham couldn't block a lick but he was effective so I think that that is more important than anything that you can trust him you know he's not a great blocker but you can trust him to hold up as a blocker and I think you saw you know all you needed to see with how they worked with him in that game Adam Troutman only had like 25 snaps played you know if you needed a ringing endorsement for Jawan that was it on that fourth second and twenty play where they needed to get 15 yards to get into you know comfortable field goal range, or Will Lutz, you know, who did Jameis look to? Who did Jameis key in on and fire the ball into? It was Jawan. Who got that first drive that that four play touchdown drive? Who got it started? It was Jawan up the side, up the edge of the field. So, you, you know, you look for weapons, you look for ways you can attack defenses, and 100, he is he is a weapon. And the question is always whether he can block, and I think he is put in the work. And so, yeah, 100%. Great question. I appreciate it. His ceiling is a lot higher than it was going into, you know, last season, going into this season where early in camp, I was, there was serious conversation to be had about whether he made the roster because he was struggling. He wasn't using his body effectively, his size effectively. He wasn't dominating the way that he needed to. And, you know, he, I think he took that to heart. I think he improved and he's been great. So it's good on him. When you think about that fumble that I believe it was Drake London, That fumbled in the first half, but wasn't reviewed. This is Ramsey Wars. It was not Drake London. It was Kyle Pitts. I know exactly what play you're talking about. You know, it was a very, it was a bang, bang play. He caught the ball. He turned, got knocked out. They called it incomplete. It was reviewed. So what the NFL started doing last year, which I think is the point of confusion a lot of times when there's kind of that quick, quick confirmation. They call it expedited review. So they're not announcing it on the field. They are just quickly just taking it in, in Secaucus or wherever, wherever it gets reviewed. And they are quickly coming in and saying one way or the other confirmed, you know, it's not going to be a, a booth review. So I, I don't know. I I think it's one of those situations where if you're not going to call that a fumble. It has to be consistent, right? And we didn't see any instances in that game the rest of the way where you could say, man, well, they didn't call it here. Why are they calling it here? So I'm okay with it, right? I'm okay with that not being a fumble as long as it goes both ways. If there was a similar play on the Saints where they did review it and they overturned it, then I would start to get annoyed. But I don't, I'm not going to get worked up about any individual play in a game as long as that's how you're calling it. The call that bugged me was the one on Marshawn Lattimore on that final drive for the Falcons that extended it and nearly, you know, took away any chance the Saints had, you know, that's not a call they had been making the whole game. You know, that, that type of contact happens all game long. And they decided to wait until that moment to start, to start calling it by the letter of the law. What is that? I I thought that was, that was a Bush league call, but you know, this, that officiating crew was rough. I don't think there's any other way to put it. It was a rough officiating crew. I think that, that, Psych flag was wholly on the officiating in terms of they made the wrong call and the Saints got penalized for assuming the, the refs were going to make the right call. And that's not how you want, you know, it's just you should be able to trust the officiating to at least do their jobs. And in that case, they didn't. And instead of acknowledging that, you know, instead of instead of making sure, you know, the ball's supposed to be set. And the official is supposed to be over it for two seconds. That didn't happen on that play. They set it and ran back, and then they spiked it. Right, so it's like you, there's there's options you're able to communicate that type of thing, and they didn't do it. Um, and the ref was in terrible position to make that call. And I just think that officiating crew was 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 not good. And hopefully hopefully we don't see them again. Yellow boy rock three eighteen. I felt like the game against Atlanta was too contained, not so much rush. Yeah. I mean, you're containing, you're playing contain. Um, because you have to make sure Mariota doesn't beat you to the edge. And I just, the saints aren't great at it. They, they don't, they don't contain well. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, WB three saints will win this game. They'll put Tom Brady up. They have no offensive line. So Tom Brady will be a sitting target. No. And I said this, uh, I think on today, the pod that came out today, which it's weird to say it, but for an offensive line that's struggled, I think that, this is a good time to be facing Tom Brady because this is, this team is built to tee off on Tom Brady. You know, I don't think that was the intention when you, when you brought in the, the weapons or you brought in the pieces along the defensive line, but it's certainly the case. And I think this is a game where you can just pin your ears back and get a yield. And I think that's what this defensive line needs to kind of gain some confidence. Chris Sanders. Think about it. We have 41, 13, five, 12, seven with one football. I love it. Yeah. So. If, if anyone's trying to translate that, Alvin, Mike T, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Alvin, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill. And I would add, uh, I would add 83 to that too, because John Johnson's going to be a weapon. Taysom, the fastest tight end of the league? There's no question. <laughs> He's the fastest tight end of the league. I think he might be the fastest guy in the Saints. Like that guy moves. Like I don't think a lot of people realize how fast that guy is. 504 code, Joanne is leap frog trout. Wow. I don't see. I don't know if that's the case but he's definitely leapfrogged Vinette. And I think what, you, what you're what you seeing with the tight end room is not so much, you know, he's leapfrogged Troutman, but Troutman is now the blocking tight end. And last year, when I was talking about Troutman, I kind of classified him as a supercharged Josh Hill. It's like Josh Hill, who's going to be able to do a bit more in the passing game and in the tight end screen game. And I think that's what his role is. If, if Jawan is doing what he did in week one, then Troutman is essentially the blocking tight end. And that's why you had Nick Finette inactive because you don't need Nick Finette if Troutman is your blocking tight end. And I think that's what you kind of see going. Okay, we got one more here and then we'll end it. Ramsey Wars, do you think we need to bring back defensive tackle Malcolm Brown to help shore up the middle of the defensive line? You know, I was surprised they didn't bring him back when he got cut, but I think if you were going to bring Malcolm Brown back, you would have done it already. And so he got cut from the Jaguars. And there's probably a reason he got cuffed from the Jaguars, right? So if they were going to bring him back, they would have, they brought Christian Ringo back a guy who I think they like, they elevated him. And I thought he played pretty well uh, for a practice squad elevation. I would not be surprised if by the end of the season, he is signed to the 53. I think you can, I think it's three times. I think you can be elevated from the practice squad three times before you have to be signed to the active roster. That's what happened with Kevin White and Kenny Stills last year is they got Elevated, 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 and they got signed for the rest of the season. And I have a feeling that's what you're going to see with Chris Ringo, because I thought he played well, and I thought the interior defensive line was the better group of the defensive line. I don't think the ends played particularly well, but I thought the interior held up. And you didn't you didn't see a lot of Cordero Patterson plowing through the middle of the line. You saw him, you know, getting to the ends and, and breaking contain. I think that one drive for where he ran for 53 yards and a touchdown, you could say that the the interior didn't hold up, but I thought by and large, they played reasonably well. Keep in mind, Malcolm Roach is on IR. He can come back. So I don't think that he has a major injury. And so by week five, you could have Malcolm Roach back. Uh, And I think he was in line to be that starter alongside David Onyemata. You have supreme faith in David Onyemata. So, you know, if if, I think this is going to be the litmus test this week, if that interior can't get, can't kind of collapse the pocket on brady from the inside and if they can't hold up against leonard then you probably do need to go and and make and make something happen but for now i think they're i think they're fine but all right i think that's where i'll cut it off thanks everyone who chimed in for a question thanks everyone who's watching we had over 100 people in here and i always appreciate everyone who stops by and uh and makes my life a lot easier cuz I don't have to come up with topics you just kind of rapid fire throw them at me and, and I give you my two cents so thanks everyone for listening this has been inside black and gold give us a review on apple podcasts let me know what you think we want to get in that in that in the top podcast for the saints we've been working our way up there and, uh, you know, I think during the season, things are going to start to pop off. Right. And so this is where I need y'all to help me out. Give us a rating, give us a review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, And we're going to keep these coming at you. Uh, everyone send your well wishes to, to Steve Geller, who's dealing with COVID right now. Hopefully he can get better and get back by next week. Um, but again, like I said, at the top of the show, Steve is on the disabled list for this week, or I think they called it the the injured list, the injury list in baseball now, the IL. But that means that I will be on the sidelines for Saints-Bucks as our sideline reporter during the broadcast. So that is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So make sure to tune in, uh, WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 in the Odyssey app for the game. Mike Cost and Deuce McAllister on the call, as always. And they're going to have to listen to me, berating rating Tom Brady uh, midway through that. So thanks, y'all. Be easy. Be easy.